You are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast provides general market-related information and is not intended to be an investment research report. The information contained in this podcast is based on previously published material. And before listening, you're advised to read the full Global Economic and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at combankresearch.com.au. Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Belinda Allen and I'm a Senior Economist here at ComBank and today I'm joined by Vivek Dar, our Mining and Energy Commodities Analyst. Vivek, good to have you on today. Uh, thank you. Now, we are going to talk a little bit about a big thematic that's happening in your space at the moment, and that is questions around whether or not we're in a commodities super cycle. Now, for those who don't follow the commodities space closely, we've obviously seen a lift in a lot of commodity prices in over the past year. So that's led to a lot of questions about whether or not we are currently seeing a super cycle. Now, before we get on to answer that question, I think it's probably worthwhile thinking about what is a super cycle? A commodity super cycle is, is really a, a medium term uh, cycle in pricing. So we're talking about 20 to 70 years, uh, which really means you have about 10 to 35 years of prices going up and then similarly 10 to 35 years of prices coming down. So that is what really defines uh, a commodity super cycle. So I guess for most listeners, probably the one that's most relevant has been when we saw the industrialisation of China. And I think we obviously really felt that in Australia, we saw the surge in commodity prices and then the subsequent investment over the late 90s and then into the 2000s as well. Why are market participants talking about another super cycle, I guess, so quickly after the last one? There are several reasons why it's, it's happening this time around. Um, and so it's not your typical uh, rationale. Uh, if you look at, at the, the, Chin- the Chinese-led super cycle, it was the industrialization and urbanization of China. Um, and previous cycles have, have really been on that same thematic of, of industrialization and, and urbanization. But this time around, there are probably around three different factors which are, are contributing to this, this conversation. Uh, one is, uh, are we going to see uh, this, this green transition? Um, and in this green economy, uh, we're going to need uh, commodities, uh, particularly in, in your battery metal space and, and even a few others. But this is uh, a big part of the conversation that this structural demand uh, for these uh, commodities is going to drive this, this, this super cycle. Um, but it's not the only reason. Mm. Um, what people are expecting as well uh, is we have this, this uh, stimulus coming from, from COVID-19 um, and that will also lead to increased demand for commodities, um, particularly as we also have the natural demand increase as we come out of uh, COVID-19 with, with vaccines being rolled out. So you know, we, we're having these cyclical factors combining with, with structural factors. And then the final two points which are going to kind of lead us into this medium-term mm. cycle is, 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 is supply going to respond? You know, there is a concern that we are going to have supply constraints. Um, and then finally, we have reflation. And that is the final part of the, the, the picture, which, uh, you know, putting it all together, this is really what, what the argument has been that, that we're in the midst of, of 
a super cycle given given these factors. It's certainly interesting when I talk to a lot of different people in our team, the lift in inflation expectations is certainly impacting on pretty much everyone's focus at the moment. So we, we will touch on whether or not it may lead to a commodity cycle soon. But one of the things that was was really interesting is you talk about there has to be kind of a lift in demand for these products. It has been driven by previous urbanisation cycles. So China was the last one. Prior to that, it was really the industrialisation uh, of uh, post-war Europe and also Japan uh, through the 1960s through to the 1990s. I guess the question is, can, I guess, a decarbonisation of the world economy or the switch to the green economy be enough to really drive a super cycle without having another country urbanised? Like, what, I guess, what are the, the playoffs there and is there enough on the green transition to make it another super cycle? Uh, I, I guess this is going to be the big question over the next decade. Mm. Um, and, and, and really, when it comes to, to this decarbonisation, uh, I guess the first checkpoint is uh, what are we seeing in terms of how much of a change uh, is happening? And if you look at the current policy settings, um, it still has uh, carbon emissions rising. Mm. So we really need to see a significant move in policy settings um, to make these, these decarbonization ambitions a reality. Um, and so Firstly, on, on even the policy framework, uh, we see considerable efforts still um, need to happen in order to argue that decarbonization is, is happening. But let's say it is. It's not all commodities that are going to really benefit because when, when we look at some commodities like, say, oil, um, even um, iron ore, your, your bulk commodities like, say, coking coal and thermal coal, there is still plenty of supply available um, if if the the need arises that 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 we need to uh, supply these commodities, so it's not that we're we're sitting at a point where uh, supply can't meet future demand gaps. Um, it's more: are we really going to see this this cycle play out for all commodities? And in our view, uh, you know, it's it's a few metals that are certainly looking to have medium term tightness, and even then, it's not guaranteed. For example, copper and nickel. The concern is to get a fully fledged project, a, a, a greenfield project up and running could take seven to 10 years. Mm. Now, over the next two years, you know, the expectation is for copper supply and nickel supply to outpace demand growth. So we'll only really know the, the lay of the land um, in about three to four years time in terms of the supply shortfall. But in our view, it's still too early to say that oh, there is certainly going to be a medium-term tightness in this market um, because there's still so much that we don't know. Uh, one is the, the, the whole green transition and, and are we actually going to see it play out in terms of the ambitions that we want. But two, um, the supply shortfalls aren't yet fully realized um, and depends so much on, on, on the policy settings. It's interesting because obviously really I think since President Biden came to power we've seen that renewed focus on climate change goals. So we had the US commit to the net zero by 2050, China's committed by 2060, Japan, Korea have also made commitments. But as you point out in your note, when we look at uh, green stimulus in recent economic stimulus post-COVID, it's actually been a, a small fraction of the dollars committed, hasn't it? Uh, that's right. In fact, there's more dollars committed to carbon-intensive sectors uh, than green stimulus. Just 
just to put in perspective just where the focus has been for policymakers, um, by far the, the greatest proportion of, of stimulus has gone to neutral measures. Um, and, and that's because uh, income was was what was hurt the most. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. you know, so, so, so providing that income to to householders, to businesses, that's been the focus of policymakers. Um, but those arguing that, that oh, we're, we've got a significant green bias, uh, it certainly isn't looking that way um, when we look at the numbers for global stimulus. Now, one of the other points that, that you do make is kind of when we have seen a super cycle in the past, we've seen a huge lift in investment spend by uh, miners in particular. So I think the last super cycle, you note that the CapEx is the ratio of cash flow peaked uh, well above 100% and we certainly haven't seen any indicators yet that we have seen a pickup in investment plans. Yeah, that's right. So in terms of, of that ratio, the, the reason why we, we, we use that is that it gives you almost the uh, propensity of, of miners uh, off their cash flow, how much are they willing to really spend on, on say, new projects. Um, and, and really what what, what is captured there is the absolute level isn't so much important because we, we've been at, at this ratio of around 50% um, nearly at the beginning of the last super cycle. Mm. But what really is, is for us the key takeaway from, from this chart is the expectation in 2021 and 2022 in terms of market forecasts is for this ratio of CapEx on cash flow from operations to decline. And so for us, it, it really doesn't tell the story that the supply side has um, impetus to really solve a, a super cycle problem. Um, and so until we see that lift, it's very difficult to say that uh, we have a, a supply shortfall that is inevitable in the sector. Um, it, it just seems that we need to see those trends change to really say that, oh, supply is trying, um, but they just can't get there. And so that's really what we, we took out from, from some of that, that data in terms of global miners in the world. Yeah, it's interesting that, as you point out, that certainly the mining companies have been much more focused on returning uh, cash to shareholders in the form of dividends rather than embarking on, on new investment plans as well. Now, the last factor, as I kind of alluded to at the start of the podcast, is reflation. So inflation, inflation <coughs> expectations have been... Uh, I guess, growing in terms of financial market participants. We are yet to see any signs of inflation pressure emerge in the real economy. But it seems, as you said, that this is one of the areas that super cycle believers are pointing to to suggest that another super cycle is on the way. Kind of what, what, are, your, what are your thoughts on that? In terms of the historical context, look, some commodities like, say, copper and oil have a very strong correlation with uh, inflation expectations. So that's US 10-year inflation expectations to be particular. But other commodities like, say, coal and, and even aluminium are actually more closely correlated to actual inflation. Um, and so you, you have this, this, uh, this diverse world where it's not just expectations or actual inflation. It, it, it's, it's, it's a melding of, of, of a lot of this that, that impacts different commodities and so, you know, to kind of group them all up and say, oh, inflation expectations are going to drive this whole complex. Uh, for us, firstly, that's, um, that's not what the underlying data suggests. But when it comes to that whole 
inflation expectations and what we're seeing in, 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 in this uh, reflation period, is there a lot of comparisons being drawn from what is happening now to uh, what happened in the, in the great inflation um, in the U.S. from 1965 to 1982? Mm. Um, people are, people are, are, are almost looking at, at, at the market from back then and saying, look, we're, we're going to go through a period of, of, of um, inflation that's going to jump um, and uh, this is going to be a structural um, support. And there's a bit of chicken and egg in this, in that, you know, is it going to be commodity prices going to lead to inflation or, 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 or vice versa? Mm. But this feedback loop mechanism is really being compared to what happened um, from 1965 to 1982. But, the, the, you know, there are very few similarities to look at and be like, oh, this is um, symbolic. You know, for one you know, the, the argument has been that, oh, we've come from a period of low inflation. That's true in 1965. Yeah. You know, we are going to see fiscal stimulus, you know, this, the, 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 the infrastructure spending on top of the, the, um, the pandemic relief in the U.S. has certainly meant that, that fiscal stimulus is, is doing a lot of work. But when you look at the, the motivations, it's completely different. And so to argue that, that Inflation expectations will translate through actual inflation. Um, you know, where, like, as as a um, research team, where we're just not convinced that's the case. Yeah. That we, we we need to see actual inflation first come um, through in the numbers, and there might be a temporary jump, but until we see actual inflation come through, we think it's very very difficult to argue that we're we're in a inflation led almost a super cycle story here. Yeah, so uh, I think, uh, and also central bankers will be very happy to kind of wait and see until actual inflation has come through. And with that, you need to see much tighter labour markets than what you've seen now. But that doesn't hasn't stopped some market participants pointing towards, as you said, the very large fiscal stimulus package that has been passed in the US, the very aggressive monetary policy and quantitative easing programs that have been undertaken around the world to start to expect a lift in inflation come through. When we're putting it all together, are you coming down in favour of the super cycle hypothesis? Or it seems to me you're more leaning towards the cyclical recovery side in commodities rather than the, the super cycle. That's right. In our view, it's it's very much going to be a, a cyclical recovery that, that, that this looks like. Um, look, there, there is a risk that, that this could become uh, a super cycle, but in our view, that would really need India and or Vietnam to to almost go through an industrialization and, and urbanization. In in terms of like what we're paying close attention to for future commodity price direction is still very much China. You know, look, China accounts for about uh, fifty to sixty percent of of um, mining and and um, of mining commodity demand, and so for us. That really is where uh, the control lies of, of where commodity prices will go. So China's demand impulse, in, in our view, is, is going to be very critical to future commodity prices unless we see an, an, an industrialization that we just talked about. It's very fascinating. Vivek, appreciate your insights on what is actually a really interesting topic for the future. No, thank you. Now, you can read Vivek's star report on questioning the super cycle hypothesis which was published on the 30th of March 2021 on combankresearch.com.au.